Hey everyone, we're going to open today by reading from those who are better with words than us, starting with an article Travail Anderson wrote in the LA Times this past Sunday. It was the night of April 4th, 1968, and George A. Romero was driving from New York City to Pittsburgh on a mission. In the days to come, he was to meet with film studios in hopes that one might buy the horror film he was lugging in his trunk, Night of the Flesh Eaters. None of the studios were interested, but Romero still managed to get his $114,000 films in front of audiences that year. And though critics panned the picture, retitled Night of the Living Dead, moviegoers were mesmerized, packing theaters, hitting the drive-ins and droves, and making Romero the father of the modern zombie movie. Romero's Living Dead franchise went on to create a subgenre of horror movie whose influence across the decades has endured. Romero will be remembered best for co-writing and directing Night of the Living Dead, which showed later generations of filmmakers such as Toby Hooper and John Carpenter that generating big scares didn't require big budgets. But part of what made Romero's film so distinctive, no doubt, was their unbridled gore, which caused many of the movies to go unrated. Living Dead spawned an entire school of zombie knockoffs and Romero's own sequels. Leo Brody, a USC professor, notes that he took the image of the zombie, which up to that point was rooted in the Caribbean and part of Black Caribbean culture, and turned it into a metaphor for all sorts of things in American culture. Up to this point, horror movies focused on individuals like Frankenstein's monster, Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. The zombie is unique because it's part of a group representing the potential threat of a mass mind. Edgar Wright further notes in his tribute that one of the reasons that his work resonates still is because of his fierce intelligence and the humor behind it. His zombie films alone are the work of a major satirist, bringing highly vivid socio-political metaphors and sometimes better records the years in which they were made than countless serious dramas. While genre films are often dismissed when people are talking about classic cinema, there's absolutely no denying the seismic impact his movies have had and continue to have in the world of film, TV, comics, video games, and literature. Rest in peace, George A. Romero. Killers, demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside How many Spider-Man shirts do you have total? Two, three, two, two. Just two of them? Just I feel two. like I've seen so many different Spider-Man shirts on you I got some Spider-Man shirts, wallet um, A Facebook banner Facebook band, just my phone background. Yeah, I had to get. Yep, <laughs> I'm just. Yeah, I like Spider Man a good deal. Huh. Yeah, and I, we recently saw one of the Spider Man movies. Yeah, we saw one of those movies. <laughs> we, saw we saw the latest Spider Man movie. Yeah, in just one of the greatest theater days of recent memory. We, we went, did. Yeah, we went, and instead of recording a podcast, the studio was shut down. Yeah, unexpectedly. Yeah, for some reason, we uh, back in ten minutes. We put a sign on the front of the studio, and we left. Um, saw three movies back to back yeah <laughs> scared cats you do those days where you just go to the movie theater um buy one ticket see three movies to spend the whole day <laughs> wandering around from theater to theater feeling um weirdly intoxicated for some reason for some reason yeah <laughs> yeah so we basically went and we saw three movies and we drank all day and it was the it was the, so much fun and we started with spider-man homecoming in 3d in the vip um theater yeah so it was tuesday don't worry everyone it was a cheap day so it was only like 13 bucks for vip which i had never done before i've been bragging about that to my coworkers. is that we only paid 13 dollars to do that vip i season. wasn't even aware it was that cheap if you went on a tuesday yeah that's rad yeah i mean 10 bucks a beer but is uh, that how much those beer cost yeah <laughs> which is why we just brought in the rest of them yeah so we only had one um, yeah. but like but still. it didn't feel like we could crack a beer in that no. vip space no not with all those like servers with like Walking their hands down. behind their backs just looking at us just watching us the whole yeah. time yeah no i i but, um, man what a comfortable experience yeah. like it felt so spacious to and, sit in there and like also it happened to coincide with a very very comfortable super fun movie like spider-man was a lot of fun and really like heartwarming and i don't see a lot of marvel movies i i get real burnt out on kind of the marvel tropes and the general structure that all their films have 
Um, but this one, I did really enjoy it. I thought the writing was very fun and funny and punchy. The action was very great. Punchy. Yeah. I really liked Michael Keaton as the villain. I mm-hmm. thought that was wonderful. Yeah, I, I had a killer. great time. Yeah. And it's, it was so long, but it was enjoyable. Like if it was two and a half hours and it, it just felt like a mini series almost. Yeah. It, that's kind of what you need out of Spider-Man. And we talked a little bit about this, like in the theater about like the third Raimi movie and how it was like kind of a bit of a fuck you to the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, you, but what was good about it is that it had lots of villains and it was long and it showed different eras of Peter Parker inside of the same story. That's good for a real comic booky movie that feels comic booky. Yeah, it's this long drawn out like storyline. Right. And and I feel like they really captured a teenage Peter Parker and they really captured that comic book feel in terms of how the story was told. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. It was so fun. And it was like you said, it was a real punchy dialogue. It was real funny. Um, and uh, fun action sequences, really, yeah, great. And it was like really good entertainment, good, good, solid movie entertainment, yeah. And we've seen Spider Man swing, we've seen him fight, we know he's faster, we know he's gonna do some crazy acrobatic stuff. So, this one they made it a lot about the suit and about the web, yeah, you know, like so we got to focus on something different. And I love that, I I loved how the whole Spider Man um outfit was something that Iron Man has developed and also has restricted, yeah, so he wasn't even aware of the full potential, the training wheels program, yeah, he was on a training wheels program for the suit and then when he hacked into it he just didn't know what to do he was shooting all kinds of insane webs he was just completely out of control um i do feel like obligated maybe you should cut this out and like put it at the top of the episode but we should maybe spoiler alert for spider-man i feel like it's kind of implied with our podcast too it's like you we're gonna spoil any movie that we end up talking about but you're gonna yeah that i guess that is kind of a bit of a minefield maybe for some of the listeners is like i do want to hear about poltergeist but i don't necessarily want to hear about yeah you know Spider-Man we could also just say, movie. yeah, if you don't want to hear any spoilers for these movies, then just skip ahead a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Every now and then, I'm just going to say something from. <laughs> I'm just going to say a spoiler. It's true. Oh, and uh, maybe I should have said about Game of Thrones spoilers. I just won't talk about it. Oh, no, we should. Yeah. We won't talk about Game of Thrones. We won't, but how can we not? Yeah, geez. Ugh. Let's begin. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about Game of Thrones. No, we don't need to. There's enough. There's more than enough to say here. I so, want to talk to you about Game of Thrones. I don't want to talk about to the scaredy cats on the about Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, scaredy cats. You don't get to hear Dave's thoughts. Sorry, guys. You don't get to hear me talk um, about Game of Thrones. Maybe on some other podcast. Yeah, in a few weeks you will. But um, right for now, this, this it's is fresh. just yeah. It's going to be too fresh, so we'll let it go. Fair enough. After Spider-Man, we went and we, saw one of the greatest horror films ever made. Um, the beginning of a brand new cinematic universe that uh, it's going to just change cinema as we understand it. I want to apologize for my co-host. He's been making an ongoing running joke about how good the mummy was. <laughs> he seems to be really committed to the bit, but at the time you seem to genuinely enjoy the campiness of it. Like yeah. we walked out of there, there and your first words were, that's the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I have been laughing my ass off about the mummy since we saw it. And since it was basically a better version of any superhero um, movie you've ever seen. It's <laughs> well, when I say better version, I mean, it's way funnier because it's like um, Russell Crowe as the Nick Fury. I didn't, I didn't find it funny. I just found it stupid and like <laughs> irritating. Like it, it wasn't funny enough. Like there were, there were like a few moments where jokes were kind of well-written and you could see Tom Cruise's comedic side, which is there, but it doesn't get to shine very often. Not like Brendan Fraser. <laughs> this movie made me nostalgic for the Brandon Fraser one. Yeah, it made me wish I was watching the 1999 Mummy featuring no. Brandon Fraser. That's basically all I could say to you while we were watching. Yes, it was I kept saying like Brandon Fraser would have done, done it better. better. Brandon Fraser wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but such a heavy handing setting up of the universe too, with like okay, Doctor Jekyll, and that is why I love it. So yeah, to like take the joke away. Yes, it was a silly movie. It was a blockbuster. It was just one of those summer action flicks, Mm -hmm. big studio, great, whatever. One of the Um, worst, worst, worst versions of those kinds of movies, I think. Yeah, no, the, the lowest common denominator of like a transformers, you know, it's just throwing money and effects at the screen. And not in the nowhere near enough writing to back it up. Yeah. Um, admittedly a few good shots. Like what uh, comes to mind? Um, I liked when the plane was going down. Yeah. And I liked the swimming zombie mummy things. Swimming zombie mummies. 
You don't remember that? Remind me. There's this amazing scene where um, he had to go underwater in part of this thing. He's swimming away from a bunch of those. Oh, and they're underwater swimming. And so they're chasing him underwater. I'm like, I've never seen that. That looks pretty cool. Hmm. Um, I thought that was awesome. I thought just the way that he fought them and they fell apart was kind of cool. And yeah, it it is camp that I like. It's, it's, I like this movie very sarcastically, but I do like it and I want to see more from, yeah, and exactly like a campsite, like why I love Leprechaun. Like, I, yeah, uh, like uh, I feel like Leprechaun is effective camp. Like I just didn't feel like it was even funny or punchy enough to yeah. be. It, like it just felt boring to me. You had to choose to to see it. Get on board. Light. Yeah, but be, um, yeah. what I loved most about it is right at the end, um, when yeah, all, whatever the, all the shit went down and Tom Cruise is basically speaking over this triumphant superhero music at the end, mm-hmm. um, just like don 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 don. Dun, 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 dun. And Tom Cruise is like, I have to hide in the shadows for now, but I'll be back. And then we're, it's just showing these rotating shots of of um, Russell Crowe, who is um, Dr. Jekyll. And Mr. Hyde. And Mr. Hyde. Um, but he's basically acting as the Nick Fury of this universe where he's going to be pulling in like the mummy and the invisible man Creature and the, the wolf man. Lagoon. All these, all these <laughs> monsters are going to come together. In, in this combined universe and he's going to be the connective tissue and the way that music came in it just ended like a Marvel movie it ended like Iron Man 1 it was so funny to me and I yeah I have been running with that joke but that's why I feel it and I want I desperately want to see the next one don't you worry it'll I mean despite <laughs> terrible reviews it seems to have grossed enough globally that I'm sure they will proceed yeah and, with the next one and now the Tom Cruise mummy character is going to be in another movie and I love that but I mean Marvel Universe you got uh Thanos, Thanatos, Thanos. You got this big baddie that they're. It's all building up to them fighting. Who's the big baddie in the Marvel universe? Is it going to be one of those figures that we mentioned? Like, is one of them going to be the bad like, of the bad? Probably like the devil or something. It'll be a Van Helsing mm. connection, if I had to guess. Yeah, bring Satan Dracula or something. Yeah, maybe Satan will be the end of it. Yeah, have Michael Pitt play Satan. Yeah, and have Brad Pitt play Jesus. <laughs> all right, Christ <laughs> and Antichrist. <laughs> Long Lost Brothers That's starring so again. That's so weird. It's like the worst joke, and it's our centerpiece joke through for this whole podcast. Yeah, I mostly joke for myself and for you, not <laughs> for them. <laughs> and after the Mummy, we went and saw like it, it just we just slid downhill aggressively from Spider Man. I don't know. I think we did, we definitely spiked up for a little bit with the Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> I I know I know. Okay, I was drunk. I was really buzzed. I was having a day in my life. I know all those things affect yeah. how much I loved the mummy, but I loved the mummy. I had so much fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed the direct, like you said, the plane going down, although that was mostly given away in the trailers, but there were like a few kind of the high shots, adrenaline yeah. shots that with the alcohol and everything, it wasn't perfectly enjoyable and fine, but overall, gonna, like, no, do not see that movie. I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> go over to Dave's place and watch it. Five out of five stars, Dave saw. But I mean, you the, the absolute worst that I think we could both agree on was just oh, like yeah. insanely terrible. No was 47 meters down. Boo. Which we wanted to go see this. We're like, fine, a shark movie. It's got terrible reviews, but we'll be, th- it'll be our third movie. Yeah. It's a good like hour 15, which they definitely had no more than 35 minutes of footage to actually use for this film and then Jeez. filled it with like establishing shots. Yeah, there was a ton of that, but I mean, dude, they had probably less than two minutes of shark footage in that movie. There was like no shark. There was in no the sharks. entire movie, and the shark that we saw wasn't even exciting. Like it would no. just kind of swim in, just swooped in a couple times. They were not scary. There no. was like no tension building whatsoever. They weren't aggressive. There was nothing special about the situation. Like Jaws, Deep Blue Sea. These are exciting movies with a shark that are tense. I can even think exciting. of YouTube videos where it was more tense because like just it, there was some aggression or some people going, oh my God, like it just seemed more, there was, this was just CGI sharks at like two and a half meters away at all times. There was one scene where a guy got attacked by a shark and that was just a close to the camera gotcha with a blood splatter. It wasn't, it wasn't a good terrifying, these sharks are going to do something to these characters. It was... Here is a very quick, hastily thrown together image of shark damage. I am not convinced that there was a script for this movie at all. Yeah, like, wouldn't surprise me. The only impetus for getting in the cage was Mandy Moore's friend was accusing Mandy Moore of being boring. Boring. It can't be boring. And the threat of being boring was enough for Mandy Moore to say, okay, I'll get in the shark cage, lower me <laughs> down. 
And then, it kept us alive through the movie, though. It's, it's the big bad acting. boring jokes. And her acting is so bad in this movie. The writing is so oh, bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it then she terrible. gets down there. And then for the, like the bulk of the movie, it's like there are two are in the cage. One tries to leave for a little bit, gets freaked out, goes back in. Um, shark comes near. She goes back out again, goes back in again. Yeah. They rescue him. Wasn't there like a weird fake out thing at the end where they're not actually out of the cage? Yep. Yeah, was there? There was a fake out. Yeah, she thought oh. she swam to the top. Oh, but then the fake out was really just... Then they ended up resolving it anyways, right? Yeah, it was like, oh, she she's hallucinating because of low oxygen. She's still down there, but then they still rescue her, so it's fine. So they just needed it's four like, more minutes. Yeah, they didn't have a they didn't have the guts to follow through with a fake out. It's like we'll give you a fake out, but she'll still get out in the end. Yeah. So there's like they leave the cage once because they need to see if they can get radio contact. They leave the cage again because the people aren't close enough. They leave the cage again because they need more oxygen. down. They leave the cage again because the one person left and now the other one's stuck. Like they it, just take turns going out slightly, yeah, and like, and then the other person like dies off screen over like the radio. Did, I don't know if you remember that, like the, the her friend. Girls. Yeah, she just goes and she's like down on the like ocean floor, and the sharks like swimming above her, and she's injured and wounded badly, and that's when like the the girl like has her like fever dream where she thinks she's rescued, but she's not. So the other friend is just dead. She just dies, and we don't see it. Man. In a shark movie, she... a shark movie, we need to see someone get mauled by a shark, and we saw no one get even like bitten by a shark. We did the guy who came down to rescue them does get killed by the shark on screen, but it's just this big red flash in the water. It's not you don't see something torn off, you don't see a shark teeth do anything, you don't see the impact. That's not why we watch shark movies. I know, and you don't watch a shark movie to see someone like bleed out underneath a piece of coral over the radio. You don't even see that happen to them. You see, you want to see them get torn to pieces. Yeah. One one thing about this movie is it actually really makes um, last year's shark movie with Blake Lively call it was called The Shallows. Yeah, it made that look great. I wanted to see The Shallows. <laughs> Go watch The Shallows because yeah. in comparison to that, The Shallows is is wonderful fun. Yeah, like yeah. it's there's there's a few exciting moments in The Shallows. It's still like tense enough to keep watching. Um, overall, it's not incredible, but compared to Forty Seven Meters Down, it's a goddamn masterpiece so maybe just like by by having movies that are such a like low terrible version of that movie it can make you appreciate yeah the four out of tens that are out there but re- remarkably we had seen the mummy before 47 meters down and tough still... act to follow tough you're right that's a tough <laughs> act to follow for any shark movie <laughs> so like the fact that the mummy was so bad and then this so was good. just so much worse it's like <laughs> yeah undeniably like a testament to me, just how bad 47 meters down yeah, was i loved the mummy and i couldn't enjoy anything about 47 meters down like i am i got benefit of the doubt coming out the wazoo and i give it away free of charge to anybody you but, sure do no, forty-seven meters down was yeah. It's it's refreshing to hear you hate something. Yeah, I hated it. It was so bad. It was a waste of time. Yeah, like we had to make fun of it mercilessly just to get through that hour and fifteen. Yeah, it's like if I hear from you, Dave, that you don't like a movie, then I I kind of pretty much know that it's going to be bad because you are. I have pretty very, low standards. Not low standards. <laughs> you're just you're very sympathetic to films, and you want to give everyone the every movie the benefit of the doubt and see any kind of inherent value that's in there. So when you when you don't like something like 47 meters down, when you don't like the monster, which you said you watched the other week, then mm-hmm. I, I know, yeah. well, I odds are that I will not like it. I can't think of movies that I enjoy that you hate. I don't think that movie exists. I can't think of one though. No. Yeah. Even like there, there are a few movies maybe that I like a little bit more than you do, but there's still movies that you also like. I don't yeah. think it goes in the other direction. I think if there's a movie that you think is terrible, I don't think I'm going to like it. We'll see if that yeah. movie's out there. Maybe one day we'll come across it, but yeah, maybe, but I mean, in the mean, in the I, meantime, I do have lower standards too. <laughs> I'm snobbier is yeah. another way we can say it. Yeah, I just I'm more focused on the things I enjoy about those things, I suppose. Right. I mean, when something annoys me, it annoys me. But I mean, there's plenty of annoyance in the Mummy, but yeah, for the most part, it's so forgivable because it, with the dialogue ex- excluded, because that's the thing that I complained about so much in Bone Tomahawk, and you didn't seem to notice it as much. Like, it didn't bug you as much how bad the dialogue was. Yeah, no, But I couldn't, true. like, live with it. And then with The Mummy, like, it was pretty terrible, but I just let all of it go. Yeah, even, like, as someone who I really like Tom Cruise in action movies, like, I really, really like a lot of the Mission Impossible movies. I think Ghost uh, Protocol Ghost is, Protocol like, is one of my favorites. It's just so incredible. Um, and I think this was just one of his worst performances and probably due to the writing too, like the character itself just wasn't, it wasn't really fleshed out. It was trying to be like a little bit goofier Tom Cruise, but not effectively. 
it just didn't, it just didn't fully land. Man, I, I feel like I want to defend it right now because like I kind of thought Tom Cruise played a bit of a good, despicable character who really wasn't trying to help anyone else but himself and who slowly like turned to become the selfless by the end of it. Hero, like, I mean, not that that's color by numbers, whatever, but I don't think it was as bad. I don't think it was the worst Tom Cruise you've ever seen. What would be the worst Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise is, is good in all of his roles. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, yeah, it's the worst Tom Cruise I've ever seen. <laughs> Just because everything you. else I'm thinking of him in, he's better. But Whoa. I, I did, uh, yeah, that movie was pretty bad, but I loved it. So pivoting to bad news, or just segueing to more bad news. Yeah, we've been putting this off. Yeah, so I mean, we've had, we did a little intro at the top there. We've had George A. Romero pass away this past Sunday, which is devastating yeah. to all fans of horror. We also had Martin Landau pass away the same day which is horror adjacent because he played Bella Lugosi in Ed Wood, which mm-hmm. is just an yep. incredible performance. It got him the Oscar. If you guys haven't seen Ed Wood, please go check it out. It's check such out a Ed lovely Wood. movie Yeah, um, about, you know, an insane maniac horror director who made this ridiculously terrible horror sci-fi movie in the thirties or forties plan, yeah. plan nine from outer space with Bella Lugosi. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. That's an honor to have been able to play the, guy and to do it such justice like that performance is hilarious and amazing and tragic yeah it's wow i feel everything performance yeah um so yeah it's been a pretty rough week for news in that respect yeah Um, so i mean and it only felt right then to do a george a romero movie i saw night of the living dead um years ago in the original black and white um I, i really care i've seen all of the living dead movies you've seen the whole series yeah each of them once like to be fair like i'm not i'm not a connoisseur by any means but i've seen all of them i've appreciated all of them um i think even once i I mentioned in the in this podcast about how um they speak in the in the first uh night of the living dead the zombies actually speak and it's like it's the developing of this lingering um uh character uh, villainous character in movies the zombie like that's this is where it all started and how like how they it was tweaked from that initial um that initial performance but that's where this is this movie that we're about to watch today this is where they all come from and i've got a history with it i really really care about zombies and you know i appreciate the the father from which they come yeah um so i i want to approach this in the most um sincere way possible and i hope it comes off that way yeah and in the research i was doing um some of the just facts that i dug up was that in even in this first one he doesn't even use the word zombie like he thought of them more as ghouls of these creatures that flesh eaters yeah monsters of spirit that consume flesh and come back and it's not until the later ones where he really starts running with the metaphor of a zombie where you in like dawn of the dead i think was the second one that comes Uh, out yeah dawn of the dead and that's the one where they go to the shopping mall that's when the zombie becomes like a metaphor for consumerism for the subject in late capitalism but in this first instant it just seems to be an exploration of just these weird kind of spirit or monster type things that are flesh eaters yeah it's it's sort of exploring the more um visceral surface level image of what a zombie would right later become Yeah, yeah so that's why they speak and they're able to like their hands work and they can hold stuff they've got this semblance of intelligence but they're dead right it's like that's what's they are dead they are implied to be dead humans resurrected yeah okay and so they just hadn't come up with like when they come back they're not humans anymore there's something different Mm -hmm. so uh, it's it's kind of like well we'll watch it we'll see yeah but yeah it's but huge i mean huge success it was only one hundred fourteen thousand, like we mentioned in the intro made um like 30 million across the world including that's including domestic and international wow Wow. Uh, so it was just explosive and inspired just generations of filmmakers. Yeah. And um, it's in black and white, the original. Um, and the aspect ratio looked like it was square. Is that like letterbox? Yeah. So like, is that the whole, that was the opening shot at least when I was loading up the video. I don't totally remember. I guess okay. we'll see. But we will um, see, yeah. that wasn't because there wasn't color. It was to save on That was costs. a choice. Yeah. Right. It was a choice that they made in an era yeah, of color. Night yeah. of the Living Dead came out in black and white. And that's another thing about it is that it, it looks even older when you're revisiting a movie like that. When you don't see color, it like puts you in like the twenties almost. You know, it, it makes you forget that. Um, yeah, the movie you're watching is actually a little closer to the seventies. Present or yeah, yeah, more newer than yes. they first seen. There was a lot. Their color was the standard at that point. However, they chose not to. So I think that's interesting too. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So are we watching the original? We were watching the original 1968 Night of the Living Dead that started us all. 
So, um, yeah, join us. Watch a George A. Romero movie as a nice little tribute in his memory. Yeah, because part of what we're doing here with this podcast is we're learning a lot about the horror genre, and this is one of the first of a huge, huge, huge component of horror, zombies. This is where it starts, and so we're going to be learning today a little bit, I think. Yeah, and I haven't seen this original, but I've seen um, everything probably that's been inspired by it, and love a lot of those things. I love um, Shaun of the Dead, of course, 28 Days Later. Yeah, that um, Dawn of the Dead remake. The Dawn of the Dead remake, yep. Yeah, it's one of the better remakes ever and and yeah. one of the better Zack Snyder films is that a Zack Snyder movie is that Zack Snyder I think that might be like one of the first Zack Snyder movies that I could be, be way wrong. I'd probably if you're right stupid. that's really cool because if I'm wrong then so it sounds cool. pretty dumb well yeah that's us yeah <laughs> so Chris would you like to um enjoy a drink and watch George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead can't think of a better way uh, to spend this Tuesday cheers, cheers. When two become one Need some love like I never needed love before Make love love to to you, baby (laughs) Like, no wonder our parents were freaking out. We were like 10-year-olds going, Need some love like I never (laughs) needed love before Gonna make love to you, baby But it's like, no, you can't sing this. No, stop singing that, David. For fuck's sake, your children don't sing about (laughs) sex. David, no, you're not gonna do that. You like pogs. I get it. I feel like pop music was even more explicit like when we were kids than it is now. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't listen to you a lot. Want to take a ride on your disco stick? Mm. I mean, that's not I mean, even, that's, no, that's that's not even fully contemporary. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's uh, but, I mean, 10 we'll, years old now, I'd say. Jesus. I love that song. This beat is sick. <laughs> I want to take a ride on you. Okay, dick. There you go. See? <laughs> Well, I, I think the first thing that I need to say is that I was, even though I've seen this once before, I didn't really take into account the performances, the acting. Yeah. You know, I, that, it kind of blew me away. I was not expecting that from this. I was expecting, okay, 1968, first zombie movie. I was expecting it's going to be cheesy. It's going to be real hammy. There's going to be like over the top dialogue and over the top performances. Didn't get that at all with this movie. No. These I, were like exciting characters. Yeah. The dialogue was great pretty much the whole way like this it feels almost contemporary in a lot of senses yeah i know and that's like we i, I made a big um point uh, in um what movie was it what cronenberg with the body horror the brood the brood um about how like that one character seemed like a super contemporary like performer like he, his performance like stood out like that's ha- happened a couple times but this is the movie that this is the earliest movie that we've done mm-hmm. and uh, top to bottom almost it felt very very real contemporary feeling script right off the bat that was that made me go oh like from that first scene the way that the couple were interacting in the graveyard wasn't it wasn't over the top cheesy it was just real dialogue yeah Yeah. nor was it like that blocky like this is what dialogue sounds like kind of dialogue it was just like this is two people chatting you know and voicing concerns and like making Mm -hmm. fun of uh, fears and whatever also i had no idea that this movie was set in the context of just one kind of group of people in a home. For some reason, I assumed it was going to be a broad, like just a horde of zombies taking over different areas of a town. Maybe yeah. there's like a sheriff and the, the mayor or like that's, I wasn't expecting it to be so tiny that yeah. just like random individuals who happen to all end up at this house. Yeah. Dealing with it. It's, it's small, wonderful. It's small scale. So they can turn 50 extras into a horde. Yeah. If yeah. that man, it felt like at some scenes, Max, there was like, like 10 15 extras yeah and that felt like a horde on its own and then like you have this um this is nearing the end but you have that like um that group of people with all their guns and stuff like just combing the area yeah clearing out zombies same people just redressed probably yeah (laughs) (laughs) now you're angrier and you have guns yeah it's like oh yeah Yeah. Um, no but everyone gave great performances like it's amazing for um such a small uh such a small budget and such a small ambition like he wasn't an established director at that time to find actors to come in and just give really great solid performances they all very much seem like they're in the same movie the same kind of tense scenario yeah like they all have a very very collective vision for like what what the final product's gonna be Mm -hmm. um it it, george a romero at this point in time hadn't done a movie so he was doing short films and commercials and stuff right and then um i guess he he gets this um writing partner 
Um, what's yeah. Someone we should Russo. Throw the, we should, yeah, Russo or something like that. Yeah, someone Russo, which yeah. is shitty to say. Um, I have it open on my phone, which is in my pocket, so I'm going to get that going. But You keep um, saying your point. I'll get the name. Yeah, so like he makes this movie out of nowhere. It's kind of the first, but it's not just establishing that this is a good horror director. He's establishing a genre, you know, a subgenre inside of horror. He's inventing zombies, mm-hmm. essentially, and they're establishing such things that we all know as they're slow, they shamble, there's a huge group of them, they eat flesh, um, and they die to a headshot. Um, John Russo. John uh, John Russo is yeah that, so that's pronounced yeah Russo. yeah so he he collaborated in writing this original script um that that's my guess on how you pronounce it I don't know um and Dwayne Jones is our is our boy he's right. the main actor yeah that I mean that's an interesting thing to bring up this whole notion of the slow zombie because I read somewhere else this past week that. Um, like one of George A. Romero's big points against movies like World War Z and 28 Days Later is that zombies don't run. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he doesn't like, like that. Yeah. He seems to be a little irritated. No, because, yeah, he, he established the thing that yeah. is the basically the reanimated corpse. And that is like your body is affected by rigor mortis when you die. So you're less capable. Yeah. Your brain is You're damaged. not limber. Your muscles are kind of locked. Yeah. yeah. And, and your brain is sending these damaged you know messages to your limbs like take a step forward so it's going to be blocky and weird and mm-hmm. shambly and whatever and that makes sense yeah um, i love the fast zombie too but it seems i like do too yeah yeah no i'm like technically nothing speaking, against nothing against yeah. romero but it, i think it's a fully legitimate way to evolve the genre and yeah. make it more exciting and i'm gonna actually uh, to say because <laughs> you brought up 28 days and 28 weeks technically speaking that's a rage virus and i think they're alive really yeah they starved to death in the second one that's that's when the the event clears up is because after a few months they okay so not technically zombies they're technically alive in that one in World War right. Z all bets are off because they're zombies they're dead there. no they're yeah. dead they're the, dead in right World War Z. yeah right but in terms of then justifying that insane aggression and the speed with which they yeah. move and mobilize yeah and somehow are also a hive mind yeah yeah that's that's the thing so in this one um, this is really fun to go back because you get to see the first iteration and how bang on close it is to the modern iterations, which are things like Walking Dead and Train to Busan and stuff like that um, versus things that don't get adopted moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make two points right now about Walking Dead, which I, I think are pretty interesting. Um, first and you're, of, you're speaking as a big fan of Walking Dead. I, I love zombie stuff so much and not even as a pop culture thing. I just always have the, the Dawn of the Dead remake is the very first movie that I remember watching that had like good zombies in it mm. and um, and just like you mentioned earlier in this recording, like Shaun of the Dead comes out, um, there all sorts of different like movies. We got that found footage diary of the dead, which was Romero, right? Yeah. Um, he's done, I think most of the, of the dead, of I the think, dead that's, I think that's all him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, um, we talked about Fido before, like we've gone all over the map, uh, you and me and me on my own seeing zombie stuff so yeah um, but that dawn of the dead remake was your first that exposure was to that was the big one yeah i'm sure i've seen other stuff with zombies in it but that yeah. was the one where i was like holy shit they have it all in this movie that's like, cool yeah they've got the mall the guy across the way with the gun and the whiteboards and stuff and i that, didn't i didn't see that one until a little later I, I think for me that 28 days later was the first kind of serious zombie movie that i saw in theaters okay and and was excited by it because it was dark and creepy and it's um, so like, horribly aggressive. It was like the highest octane version of yeah. Zombies that and then to have had. I remember like just having the the score cut out and just still see them flailing. That was oh, really yeah. intense. Do you remember in Twenty Eight Days where um there's like some dick corpse like hanging over some overhang and the guy like looks up and a drop of blood falls in his eye. And he gets yes. infected from that. And you're like, no. I've never forgotten if, that. As yeah. if. Not an aggressive bite or anything like that. No. Just an incidental freak accident. Fluid transfer. Completely yeah. incidental. Just Yeah, exactly. So good, so good. And that I've never forgotten that. I didn't ever consider it because of fast zombies, like we were talking about this. I didn't ever consider it, consider it just zombies because they had this completely different component. They were rage. They didn't just bite you and eat you either. They were trying to kill you. Yeah. They would smash you with the the meat of their fists if they had to. And also that one was the first one that I had seen where it just sets up exactly the same way that walking dead pilot does resident evil does where mm-hmm. it's just an individual waking up in a hospital. Yeah. Not knowing what's happening. All right. So let's go back to walking dead because this is basically walking dead is the, you know, benefactor of, you know, what, what came before. Um, so what was cool is in this original, um, 
Night of the Living Dead, the zombies, um, they can use tools and reason. They're just slow and kind of dumb. Yeah, these are these are particularly smart zombies, I find, compared to most other films we see. Like they are, like you said, they're grabbing things to break into other things. Yeah, they're they seem to be somewhat aware of their surroundings. Yeah, and it is from the Romero brain that we're going to eventually get brains and all that but stuff. It, I thought that was going to be in this one. So, so I what, had I had the memory that it happened in this one. So as it's well. some other of his yeah. sequels that they're yeah. actually shouting out brains. Yeah, yeah, they they get more into the <laughs> eating but, specifically the yeah. brains, and maybe that's like that's not like another another series or another film by chance. It, it's possible, but. Um, I have my, my memory of following this rabbit hole down as I watched Romero movies. Mm-hmm. I watched the movie zombie as well, um, which is zombie famously has it's, it's an older movie like um, 60s or 70s where, um, well, clearly 70s where um, there's one. Um, I just heard you do that um, where there's one zombie underneath under the water mm-hmm. and it actually grabs onto and bites a shark. Like a real, it, it's a pretty insane scene, and there's a lot more makeup in that one. You see so them crawling out of the zombie shark then stuff. in that movie. Um, I don't think we see the shark come back again, but you just see these things are trying to just biting at things that move by them. Like it, it really, it, you can see the progression of zombies from Night of the Living Dead. Right. Anyway, what I'm getting at here is that they're able to use tools, um, and in some iteration, they're able to speak, and that eventually goes away. Um, and that happens again in um, Land of the Dead. Which is more recent, I think 2003 yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, Land of the Dead is interesting too. Hmm. I, I have a soft spot for that one, even though it's it's about sort of zombies re, re-realizing some intelligence. I, um, I remember when Diary came out, which I think was 2007, and it was kind of, people really liked that one. Like responded well, yeah. like, oh, this is a re- one of the really good later George A. Romero zombie movies. Yeah, I found it hard. Like That was the found footage one, right? I found it hard to follow, yeah. But um, I did enjoy it um, just because I like seeing zombie stuff. Anyway, so they can use tools. They've got some semblance of intelligence. In The Walking Dead, the original trailer that came out for Walking Dead, um, or it's part of the pilot. Or it's not part of the pilot's like storyline or something like that. There's a part where Rick is walking through a parking lot, and he looks underneath a car, and he sees like there's a little girl walking Mm -hmm. and there's like a little teddy bear on the ground and the girl reaches down and picks it up and then he walks around the car and she's got like no like lower lip it's all just teeth (laughs) and she's a zombie girl um so that in the most like in the most modern iteration of a zombie series we see zombies that have some semblance of their human selves right um and then um, just all, like in VHS and zombie bike, right? You have the zombie that is somehow still able to reflect somewhat yeah, on their yeah, humanity. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Zombie bike has that as well. And that's uh, stemming from the original where it's like, these are people too. Like there's something kind of scary about the fact that they're not just completely mindless husks. Yeah. That doesn't happen in the one we just watched today though, Night of the Living Dead. That they, doesn't seem to be... They don't speak per se, but they're like, they're, they're pulling at the door handles. They're picking up rocks. So yeah, their solving. faculty for problem solving seems to be somewhat there, but their personality doesn't seem to be there in the same way that the other examples that you just gave. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're exactly like, um, yeah. yeah, that comes up again later in like, uh, like you said, in Zombie Bike and in um, Land of the Dead, the the guy is like a gas station operator, so he remembers how to operate the gas pump, <laughs> and like that's how it all starts. So he learns how to use a gun. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. There's definitely um, room to interpret the zombie in different ways in that sense. Like you can attribute some of that to like in all different ways that are somewhat justifiable. Like you can yeah. attribute it to muscle memory, even like attending the gas sure. room. You can be like, Oh, this is just that's a lower lobe of the brain. Exa- that is yeah, still yeah, intact. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I like how that's kind of like this whole notion is kind of empty and a blank canvas for different directors to come in and uh, express it in different ways. Yeah. Know? And um, man, this makes me think really hard because the little girl who is in the basement in this movie, she gets bitten. And she becomes a zombie, right? Is it that she gets bitten that she no, becomes a zombie? No. I think it's because it's the radiation earlier, right? That's why, because yeah. the whole movie, exactly. she's yes. sick. You're so right. she's you're just right. one of the early ones becoming a zombie. You're bleeding into what I'm about to say here is, yes, she gets bitten. And then the next time we see her, dad goes down after getting shot. And then he's being eaten by her. But is she is she actually bitten? Like, did they show a bite wound on her at any point? They say that one of those people bit her. And okay. now she doesn't have the strength okay. to move. Yes. So that's, she was bitten. And then later we see her become a zombie. And you can see how droves and droves and droves of storytellers from that point on ran with the, it's spread by a bite. Mm-hmm. However, we learn in Walking Dead, which is a reveal, like later in season one or two, 
um, season two, I think that not it's not biting death. The death that results from a bite means you're going to turn into a zombie. It's not an infection. Everyone has it in this whole circumstance. And when you die by any means, you become one. That was like a big reveal in Walking Dead season two. But the very inception of zombie stories, the beginning of all of it had that component. That's how it started is that it was happening to everyone because of this radiation. Every single person who died under any circumstance, they said the news reporter guy said that death by any circumstance results in reanimation in this way. Like, because the radiation has just affected all of Earth, essentially. All of Earth or this area where the outbreak has happened, like a third of the United States. Right, wow. So yeah, it's there. It's here in the very first one. And then the in beginning. the most contemporary sense, it's a big reveal as something that's new. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of kind of coming for full circle that both sides of like... Right. Well, I guess then for true Romero fans, they would know in, when they watch Walking Dead, yeah, this is already there in the original Romero movie. Well, you always wonder if it's just yeah. been a... But um, it, it had been maybe forgotten or laid dormant long what? enough. Because for me, I thought that was original to Walking Dead. When they revealed that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. great new idea. I got to say that surprised me on this viewing too. I didn't remember that. But like World War Z, not as the movie, but as the book, which is like... And and the zombie handbook, those two things. Oh, um, they came out around the same time, and they were just on like every shelf of the front entrance of every yeah, bookstore Mac, for years. Max Brooks like put into words what zombies are, and in his like classic definition, uh, it's an infection that's spread from one host to the next. Mm. So it isn't this sort of like global um, thing that's affecting everybody at all times. That was re-established in Walking With Dead. With Walking Dead. Yeah. And, Brought it back, yeah. And that's crazy because that's how it started, you know? So, like, I don't know. I, that, like, really, my, mm-hmm. my heart swells a little bit for Walking Dead. And um, it reminded me a lot, too, of, um, like, War of the Worlds, especially the uh, original, the idea of the original broad- yeah. radio broadcast. Like, we kept getting so many, so many cuts in this movie to just the local radio station and television program informing everyone of what's going on. Yeah. Which interest is an interesting thing to have with a movie that is so focused just on that house and the people surviving and the psychology of them dealing with each other to at the same time get somewhat of a glimpse into the outside world throughout through these radio broadcasts. And then eventually the focus, the POV shifts to the sheriff and those people coming in to just decimate yeah. and kill everyone with that tragic ending of the guy being killed in the crossfire i like got a timeless ending yeah. how good is that it's it's so good i knew that was coming the whole time i was wondering how good it was gonna look did, on you, this did you look did you see my reaction i like my jaw dropped a little bit i'm like you motherfuckers you went, no like yeah <laughs> that's the sound i heard you make yeah uh, and i just didn't expect in 1968 for them to do that yeah. At the end, you know for them I mean? to write an amazingly killer story that backs itself up and where that, everyone like, dies like all the lead characters that we get to know do get killed by this thing pretty gruesomely yeah too and like the, well those that shock that gun felt like a pellet gun like it, it was kind of the sound effect and the gore just like, beep, beep. <laughs> and just like punctured little a little hole yeah yeah <laughs> but uh but he got shot by that and then fell down the stairs and then got eaten by or like went down the stairs and got eaten by his daughter so i mean that got worse for him that's true that his death wasn't the gunshot it was mm-hmm. way worse than that yeah but, um, but even the, the other guy like the cop guy came along and shot the main dude in the forehead yeah <laughs> just from a distance he just got sniped and then complimented by the one great job great job you got him put him in the fire there's <laughs> another one down and i even said before that trying to i don't know why i did this but like trying to hint a little bit to you i'm like they're just indiscriminately gunning down anyone i did not hear that <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to like i don't know why i said that i'm like I want to plant a little potential spoiler for I, Chris. I planted a little tiny bit of a like, yeah. just be worried right now. There's be all, worried. Like, I really enjoyed watching it in the format of um, like, I, I don't know what the act- letterbox is that what you call it? Like when it's just the perfect square format for the old tube. Yeah. Like it lends it's that mixed with the black and white makes for an interesting watch of this whole story too. I think there's something special about the fact that it feels more contemporary than it is. Like that you're watching an old timey movie, but it feels like it was made a few years later. It feels like it was made re- like almost maybe because it's the high definition restoration, but it feels like it was maybe. a more recent film made in the style of like an that's old. That's what it, it feels like. And I think that that's got to have a lot to do with the dialogue. Like I think it's yeah written or um, partially, um, improvised like i'm sure 
part of it was. Yeah, I'm be, I'd be curious to see what it looks like. In, I'm so glad we didn't watch the color restoration. hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I, glad I, that we could I'm, get around I'd be that. curious now to go back and watch a few scenes to see what they look like in contrast. But I really enjoyed. See it, what color like their this. shirts were. Yeah, I'd be curious <laughs> about that too. Um, there were a ton of Dutch angles that was kind of annoying me a little bit throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yeah, like I guess that works for intensity, but I would have I would have been a little more judicious with them. Do you know what I mean? That's just that yeah. classic like tilt the camera like yeah. 15 degrees. Just yeah. to like create a sense of intensity and fear. Yeah, I, yeah. I think they kind of needed that. You know, it it, it works, but there is a lot of it. It's yeah. like level it a little bit, man. No, come yeah. on, Georgie. Come on, Georgie. I yeah, I get what you're saying. I'll I'll like forgive anything this movie does <laughs> at this point. That's probably so it. the sequel doesn't come out for another ten years, right? That's it. Day of the Dead is the next one, or is Dawn of the Dead the next one? That's an excellent question. I think that's something we should know. Probably should look it up to mention it. But I, I remember seeing that it took a little while, surprisingly, for the next iteration or the next installment to get released. Dude, you're right. It was 10 fucking years. Before Day of the Dead or Dawn, which Dawn. is the next one. Right. So it took 10 years. Night, Dawn, Day. And then in that time, he... Well, that's a perfect progression, by the way. Night, and then next comes Dawn, and then the next day year in the day. Yeah. yeah. That's... Man, I want to know more about these movies. I've seen all of them, but I've never thought about connecting the universe or like what's the difference between these three components of the daytime. Yeah, and I assume the universe kind of grows as time goes on. Like it builds on that. Like by the time do we get to Diary and Land of the Dead, are we already in a world that is well aware of the outbreak and is dealing with it in certain ways? In Land we are. In Land it is like um, it's dystopian humans living in the the zombie world cool they're like little stronghold cities that sounds great <laughs> yeah it's pretty awesome but then yeah i want to put on the next one right away man this is hard to yeah to not do that oh yeah that was wow man i gotta i gotta say like i'm sure there are other feelings you know rattling around inside of me that are influencing um being just completely blown away by by mm-hmm. that watch but it's you know, better than its time it's it it, it, it way surpassed my expectations wow like, yeah i'm that makes me feel great because i have always like had it in my heart as one of my favorites mm-hmm. but like just because i know i love zombies and like we said on the top of this i give pretty much everything the benefit of the doubt but no this is like it's a very watchable movie for being 50 yeah. years old as of next year yeah so we made this like 50 years ago doesn't it not feel like as old as some of the other films we've watched not at all yeah and yet it brood is, feels more dated in a weird absolutely way absolutely it does <laughs> and yet this movie and not to make a huge point about it but like this was in 1968 and it was it had a black lead no we should make a point about that that's incredible yeah. that's a very radical thing to do at that time and horror in a lot of ways there was another article that came out just this past week about how like when it comes to race and gender horror has been kind of way ahead of the curve in terms of representation in film like especially okay. in terms of passing the Bechdel test horror movies more than yeah. any other genre <laughs> yeah. do it like women are much more involved and articulate 100 percent. than I, I, a lot of other genres i buy that 100 percent. women are often a focal point in yeah in horror where you know um, and i'm sure that can be complicated that could be further complicated by the fact that there are often victims as well at the same time yeah. but but you are at least the very least we can say is that you're getting much more representation in horror films than other genres overall yeah no uh, totally and i mean seeing that like represented in race as well again in 1968 that shocked me yeah i could not believe it yeah it was great i knew that going in and i was hoping that <laughs> i mean there's one point where he straight up punches the female character yeah. and knocks her out but that aside yeah i mean and that's I'm, i think we're supposed to that's whatever and that is it what it seems is, to have done some damage like she seems oh, she right was loopy shaken after that. up after getting you know i attribute that more to the punch than the encountering the... probably just a concussion yeah. <laughs> hit her a little too hard yeah, well, she slapped him, so, I mean... is that Does that justify the violence? No, it doesn't justify anything, but, I mean, it, it explains why. I don't know why I came at you there, but... <laughs> does that justify <laughs> why you would punch someone in the... Fu- you know, it doesn't, but it is one of the funnier punches in the face <laughs> in order it, well, it did it did sadly seem comical, the way and, that it yeah, came Just because it's dated and the score and... Yeah. yeah. And just like one of those big theatrical punches are hilarious. But then he did, he went off the on the sound effect. It was like, yeah. yeah. And then he went off on what's his name? The bald guy um, for not letting him in. Yeah. You know, he beat he the pissed. shit out of that guy. He like got, you motherfucker. Yeah. 
So he does. He showed some consistency I in his. I you in to this yeah. house and you lock me out. But it's great, and that's the trope too, right? The Actually guy just kind of freaks out and then doesn't let someone back into the safe place. That's yeah. we see that in so many action and horror movies. Yeah, weren't we? We were talking a little bit about the mist and about like that human psychology. Yeah. Anyway, when I say people talk, trapped in a room, how do they deal and balance? And this, like, it did, like, it did start to do that a little it bit. It started. It didn't. And I mean, it's the first one to kind of really do something like this well then that might be crazy to say like even though we're not not totally sure about that yeah we're not educated film majors in like the history of cinema but like even i think alfred hitchcock has some movies that do do that a lot like lifeboat is a hitchcock movie where it's just seven humans on a boat circling the drain and like yeah seeing the human so i'm sure that really is kind of i'm sure it is i wonder what romero was inspired by because i go back and i watch a movie pre-1980 and i assume that it was the first yeah a, a mindset and there's no, no way. But th- that's that's the thing is you can't like there's you can't fully attribute the originality of an idea to one person because everyone's inspired by certain individuals. Yeah. And then in turn, it inspires others. Yeah. There's, it's a collaborative industry. It's yeah. And just any kind of art project, like if it's film or like anytime you're entering kind of a genre of sorts, you are going to be picking up the work from the people that came before you and setting the ground for the people that come ahead of you. So even like with the zombie we can't just fully attribute the zombie to george a romero no he's inspired by we were talking a little off mic about that novel i am legend mm-hmm. um he's inspired by richard uh, matheson folklore yeah sorry richard richard matheson that's the author of that one yeah gotcha and that's I, i'm only saying that because it's one of my absolute favorite things that i've ever read in the horror genre right is cool. i am legend please read it uh if you buy it now in paperback you also get a collection of richard matheson's short stories and those are also really really good nice as, like as part of the same book i am legend tends to come with those short stories yeah excellent but uh yeah so if romero's taken pulling a little bit from that you know he you can't call him just the godfather of everything that was to come but like he really did not just have the idea but you know write it down portray it get the correct yeah. actors he did it he like, did it he made a zombie movie that like set the norms and tropes for movies that are still coming out regularly yeah like it, it comes at night like i was thought that's, about that comes you're at saying, night a yeah. bunch of times in this movie because wow. it's like people just sheltered up in a home protecting from what's outside there oh, and dealing man. with one another and new people being introduced and what that means like this is it's so many of the same beats are from Romero. I'm sure that filmmaker That's so cool. Yeah. I, I and still considered cats. I have not seen it. So, um, it's playing the Royal next weekend with alien covenant right after. So we should, we can oh go my do a God. double feature. We should do that. Yeah. I want to see both those movies really bad. Great. I'll watch it both again. Or I mean, I haven't watched alien covenant, but I will watch it comes tonight. Oh again. man, that would be so amazing. I downloaded alien Co- covenant, but it's hard, hard coded. I know. Korean, and that'll yeah. be just a little distracting for me. I think I want to fully enjoy yeah, it. I didn't. Watch so if it. we go to the Royal yeah. next weekend and we can see it, I was with some friends the other, the other day, just at a bar and they were all like, what do you mean? You haven't seen, you haven't seen alien covenant yet. I'm like, yeah, don't. And I had to like plug my ears while they talked about the movie, oh <laughs> but they all liked it. Um, and I know I people are I'm mixed like on it. it. I think I'm going to like it too. Yeah. Uh, cause it seems to really take off from where Prometheus left off. That's the impression I'm getting. Yeah. And we both were very sympathetic to and liked Prometheus. So. I enjoyed Prometheus. I think, um, alien fans need to like, you get over it that it's not really scary anymore. It's kind of more, let's tell a very interesting sci-fi story. Yeah. We want expansion on that's what like, I want. the history of the biology of the alien species and where it's going to go from there, where they are now. Yeah. And so welcome back to Dave's game corner, everyone. Um, just, uh, in our trivial discussions of dead space, that's what you're in for, by the way, in the future, Chris, is you're going to play future. a terrifying first game. And then from there, they're going to start expanding story wise. Great. Rather than scare wise. Great. Yeah. This has been Dave's game corner. Yeah. No, I mean, video games just seem like a way that horror narrative is able to expand in like a very satisfying way that more than just like a one hour feature, one hour and a half feature, Mm -hmm. you can actually like be really immersed in this universe and interact within it. I look forward to it. I look forward to being exposed to some of those. Get ready for some space zombies, my friend. Yeah. Oh, they're the best. But what I was going to say was what seems amazing about his canon and his catalog is that he didn't just stick to, okay, let's do one type of zombie movie. He did a found footage zombie. He did a zombie film that focuses just on a single subject, right? That's Marvin. Yeah. It's just like a single individual zombie. Oh man, you're right. I didn't even consider it like that. So he's not like just doing sequel after sequel of the same thing. He's like, how can I approach this world from different types of movies? Wow, dude, that, (laughs) that really opens my eyes a little bit is yeah. He, he's like, what's another way I can look at, 
yeah. this thing I've created. Yeah, to be open to something like found footage, I think like an old man in his 60s and 70s, an old filmmaker would be kind of indignant about the yeah. idea of a weird format of yeah. the way to do Why movie. go down in quality of filmmaker? But he embraced the fuck out of, of it. Of course, he seems like... Uh, he seems like the eventual creative team that's going to be responsible for our Cloverfield universe, all in his own head. And yeah, and by his own hand, yeah. directing all those movies. Yeah, yeah. man. I, I mean, this cool. is the time where we're going to say a bunch of nice things about the guy. But how can we not? How, how can, can we, we not? not? And uh, I don't know. This most of it right now for me is motivated by the fact that mm-hmm. I've seen this before. I, all the things that he's led into creating i have seen and just love with all my heart yeah um and as someone who hasn't been exposed to too much but who loves those one room set in movies loves a bunch of zombie movies i mean yeah both like i said 28 days later but also Shaun of the dead was that blew my mind when i watched it it was my yeah. favorite movie for a long time because that then expanded the idea of the zombie into something that could be a social critique that i could look yeah. at the zombie as a way to criticize certain aspects of our society and in Shaun of the Dead, it was like this kind of lazy, um, uncontented, you know, Simon Pegg character who just was unambitious. Yeah. And like just in the way that they would show him kind of going about his day and then parallel that with the zombie. I thought it was, it, it just kind of blew my mind. It was right, the first time that, that I'd seen it. And that. that's what made him come alive, you know, in that world after it happened and, right. and see what's all important to him. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. uh, that I love Shaun of the Dead so much. Yeah. But, uh, and, and Fido. <laughs> I said that. Yeah, that was too. a fun, weird little one too. Just because yeah. this, these are all just different examples of people building on and expanding yeah. George M- Romero's what the things he laid the seeds for. Warm bodies, is warm bodies, one of the newer ones. Interesting too. concept. I never watched Zombie Land. Like warm bodies seems that they retain a lot of their humanity, right? Those zombies. Did you watch that movie? Definitely not. Okay, I didn't. <laughs> no way. But, but I mean, from the trailers, I remember that it seems like it's very human still to the point where he's forming a relationship with a. A female, I think, right? The lead dude. Yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. what's happening. Anyways. Exactly. Uh, there's a um, book, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say all the things have zombies in them now. But like, really, like you guys know, Scary Cats, you know that I'm the video game guy. The thing that made me love Halo more than anything are the Flood zombies. You know, uh, Last of Us zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all of these in their own like creative way, but they're all when you see them in a completely different context. When you see a zombie in space, that's based on a spore. When you see a zombie on Earth, that's based on a fungus. When you see another zombie in space, that's based on a sound that's coming from a thing. When, you see them in all these different contexts, but they manifest basically the same because mm-hmm. the idea of a zombie is so fucking rock solid, and it's such a great terrifying. They're all just coming at you no yeah. matter what, no matter if they're fast or slow or big or small or lots or few. Yeah. They're coming at you and they can't be stopped. It is an inextinguishable idea. The yeah, idea of the return dude. of the dead, right? Anything that we bury, anything that we want to kind of be over and done with, the idea of that coming back is always just going to be a key source of inspiration for fear to be manifest and articulated in so many different ways. Yeah. And that's the mark of a good idea yeah. is that it can come and in all those different ways. It was somewhat surprising me to see that uh, it's radiation in the first instance. Yeah. That's that was weird. Uh, radiation from Venus. From like, Venus specifically. Yeah. Uh, Venus radiation is the origin of zombies in the first yeah. big zombie movie. Yeah. And to streamline that is radiation. It comes back to earth. It either crashes or explodes, whatever it is. And that, um, event that radi- radiation event is what causes reanimation. It's not that there's it gets to one person and it gets in their blood and then they have affect two people and then mm-hmm. those go on. And it's not like a, a pyramid scheme like that. It's that everyone who dies because of this radiation in this area, I have to imagine, is gonna come back. Yeah, and theoretically that'll go away in a week or whatever. But like that. This happened. This it one happened. event happened. It's like coherence. I was you know? kind of, I was kind of expecting too to have those big scenes, especially in the graveyard of, um, the hand coming up from the soil. Like I was expecting this zombie. to be there. That's zombie. what we need to watch. Zombie. The movie Zombie. We must watch it. It has all those things that you those think tropes. are of zombies. Are, right. Are in that movie. You what see the year? Hand what out. year is Zombie? Uh, I I had to guess, but uh, a few years 70s. after seventies. So yeah, I was, and the fact that it, like it starts in a graveyard as well, and the first quote unquote zombie ghoul, really, the first ghoul that we see is just happens to be in the graveyard as well. Like we could presume maybe that he came out of a grave, but he seems to be pretty clean. 
Yeah, and that, they said that as well. Everything was covered in the exposition done by the news broadcast mm-hmm. either via the radio or the television. Um, they they described the fact that um, recently dead corpses are being affected by this. Yes, you know, so that's why right at the beginning of the outbreak, it doesn't mean that there's one and it bites a few people and it starts that way. Is everyone who died recently inside of a certain let's say a week yeah I don't, know, I don't know how long it's a day even that's a lot of people yeah and that that does an interesting twist on um the globalization of the disease as well because it doesn't now just begin in this one small town where it spreads from there it's happening concurrently at all different areas of yeah. the united states right they're reporting okay if you're in this town go to this hospital if you're in this town go to this school like they're saying yeah the they had all those because it's happening zones. everywhere at once immediately and I was commenting about how, like, I would love to be able to just, like, do the Night of the Living Dead in Gladsbury or right. Greenwood, whatever it is, the place that is one of the I things mean, that came point, up on the TV. I mean, it's fun because it could be a period piece, too, that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, I would want to do it in black and white in the <laughs> same, like, aspect ratio that we watched it in. And That's, like, that is such a film school final year project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. That's been done a million times, and every person who's ever, like, heard of that is, like, calling me an asshole right now. But, like, that's that's <laughs> that's what I want to do in, like, tribute. No, it sounds so fun. Uh, heading on over down to some Instagram comments on our VHS2 uh, post. Uh, Esmigram comments... One of my favorite episodes by far. All the video game talk and my favorite VHS movie from the series. Our brother and I loved the zombie bike one. The one that got us was the cult sacrament one. <laughs> um, that one totally freaked us out since our family comes from a religious background. I hear you on that one. Um, love the gore and the void vibes. I hear you on that one too. Um, sorry for the long comment, but I think this is a long episode and deserves one. Thanks, Esme. Yeah, yeah we were throwing that uh, long episode out feeling pretty... Uh, <laughs> pretty uh, happy about it and uh, we're glad that you enjoyed spending some extra time with us and also glad that you like vhs as much as we do i mean yeah that sacrament one is fucking nuts and we both come from religious families so we probably somewhat are freaked out by that one from those same reasons those religious rooted religious context like (laughs) freak out things like bringing everybody in that really gets to me yeah yeah and as me agrees it's our favorite vhs movie you haven't seen the third one yet I haven't. You um, haven't. We'll watch it at sh- some point. I'm like, I've been thinking about that because I did say in that episode that like number one is, I think, my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think two is better. I think you guys are right. This is it. The thing is, it's they're different because um, I think one has the best short with the yeah. amateur night. Um, but yeah, I, I think yeah the succubus one. Ugh. But I think the three out of four of them are so strong in the second one that it kind of brings the ship that is number two a little higher than you number just one. said it that's exactly 100 percent what it is it is like three out of four are like 10 out of 10 and i enjoyed the alien one spa spa that's what we call it i like how we're still calling the other one zombie bike too that one really sticks it's perfect that's perfect also on instagram high plane slifter said fire all caps about vhs what's that referring to do you think maybe like it's uh, maybe it's like a fire episode like it's real oh like great. hot fucking hot maybe, so yeah. oh so this is like slang that we're not aware of like fire i'm aware of the slang fire you are you've heard of that yeah. people say fire when, when something's um, hot did you hear of the app uh yik yak no it was this little um it was like a local twitter kind of thing mm-hmm. so it was like inside of a certain radius you would receive a very small radius too so like in your building or your school or whatever you'd receive yaks of people just anonymously saying stuff and in that i heard a whole bunch of people right when drake's new album came out say that drake's album was fire okay and i learned that that's slang oh thank you okay well old man chris is learning some new slang every day thank you high plains lifter we'll take that as a compliment then was there any fire stuff that happened in vhs too? that's what I was, that's what my mind went to yeah, i no, couldn't I don't think and so. i couldn't recall no so i, don't I think, think so i think it's slang you're just saying fire yeah, like fucking like, love this episode again this, this is hot this is yeah. tight yeah and i'm gonna say that he means the episode not just the movie yeah. the episode's fire and then also on that vhs 2 episode kit cobain said uh ghost emoji Ooh, ghosties i like how in that episode you refer to the ghosts as ghosties, ghosties? the whole yeah. time so I think that means that Kit Cobain likes the Ghosties one, which I initially ranked two, but after our discussion, bumped down to three and put Zombie Bike ahead. Because, yeah, I think there's just much more in Zombie Bike than... And I had it the other way, right? You did, yeah. I conf- I eventually yielded to your ranking of it. So we, we got to the same place by the end. 
because yeah. I my first instinct I was struggling with whether zombie bike or ghosties was ghosty eye was better. What did you call the ghosty eye one? Uh, Robo eye. Robo eye. <laughs> whether Robo eye or zombie bike, those just those titles are so good. Thank you. Are better or whatever, <laughs> and yeah, came around at the end. Thanks for those Insta comments, everyone. I just want to do the new VHS uh, or the the next one. The I next want to watch zombie it. one or the next VHS. The next VHS. Yeah, it's it gets fucking weird, and there's like some good creepy weird things about it, but also some like just insane weird ass shit that they do like the i forget who directs and writes those ones but it's definitely worth watching well i tried to watch abc's of death too the second one because that one's on netflix right that's what yeah did you how far did you get maybe 20 minutes so you saw i had to do other things it wasn't all like i stopped because i was bored like there were some bad ones there were some bad ones but honestly the thing that stuck with me is there's this claymation one that happens early Uh this weird animated one and it is so gross and disturbing I don't wow. really know what happens or why because it's just like this guy is going to dissolve into an insect and then later it'll dissolve into a woman and whatever. But like it was disgusting and cool. Awesome. We should we should try watch. I think the second one is more highly regarded in that series as well. Like ABC's yeah. Death 2. There was some good stuff in it in that 20 minutes I watched. Is there one where um, someone's like lying in bed and someone ends up like hacking their hand? Or is that in the first one? Uh, not in the first 20 minutes, at least. Of, <laughs> of just, or okay. ABC's yeah, maybe we'll try too. watching it. Because that would be interesting to try to have an episode and talk about. Like, how do we talk about 26 shorts? I need pen and paper. I think, you know what, dude? I think for that one, what would be great is if we... That was the, like, last episode of a, a day. Mm-hmm. And we got, like, drunk. Yeah. And we just, like... Oh, and remember the one where... Wait, right. which one? And it would we lend itself a lot of spontaneity of thought. Yeah, We'd exactly. just be able to shoot whatever came to mind. I think we should just spout it off that way if we're going to do it at all. Right. Okay. Yeah, maybe. But how many Someone recommend it. Let us know what we're going to yeah. do. I don't know. I like hor- I like doing horror anthologies. <laughs> Those are them. fun episodes. I love them. We should them. do one every like 20 episodes or something like that. Yeah. That's what we're averaging so we, far. We got to kind of save them because they're yeah. really good for episodes. They are. And as we lean more and more into user recommendations, um, we want to hear from you guys and let us know what horror anthologies you love. Oh, and what, what a great tease for the if next there's, episode. If there's a good ABCs of death that you want to recommend, let us know which one is the better one. Also on my mind lately is Southbound. I really want to watch that one. That's another one by the bloody, disgusting yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. I've, uh, they've come up several they've come times up, yeah. for me. But yeah, yeah. We, we should get into that. But yeah, please head on down to any of our social medias. And by that, I mean any of the social medias. We are on there. Text Chris Dave Saw. At all of them, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Snapchat. Just head on down. Search that username. It's good. We're always the same. Comment on shit. And let us know what you think about certain movies. Let us know. Send us a detailed reason why we should watch a movie. And yeah. that's very likely to be on this podcast. And this past week, we started to see some of you interacting with each other in discussions yeah. about our episodes, which is rad. That's a new frontier that we're hitting. So yeah, yeah leave comments on each other's comments. Yep. And as you probably know, now that you've listened to a bunch of these episodes of the podcast, or if this is your first time, um, we aren't experts in the horror genre. We have limited fields of knowledge. You probably have some <laughs> gaps too. Uh, so m- let us know our gaps. Let us know yeah. what like we need to watch. That was our last second disclaimer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> last second disclaimer. Because we are one of our goals of this podcast is just to become better informed about the horror genre, and we yeah. we're learning a lot from you guys, and we want mm-hmm. want that to keep on going. So please, yeah, and uh, stay tuned for our next episode because that's going to come into play. It sure is. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This has been the Text Chris Dave Saw Massacre. I've been Chris Vandenberg. And I have been David Stonebrough. And as always, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns. This is the history of zombies, Chaos Reigns.